up? You guys know what time it is. Your boy Justin, and welcome back to the Daily Knicks podcast. <clears throat> Thank you guys again for tuning in to another edition of the show. I got your boy back in the building. Uh, Zach is here to talk about his Nets fandom. What's the? Uh, I think the last time we talked, the the Nets were still in the playoffs. What's going on, y'all? Yeah, that didn't go well. It's all right, man. Yeah. But uh, we're coming to you guys no, I did not. on, what's today, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, late afternoon. Um, it's about 5.56 p.m. in New York, but it is always a good time to make fun of the Lakers. And that is where we are going to start this podcast today. So <clears throat> just when you thought the soul proper was coming to the end, when you thought the Series finale was coming. They dropped a couple of exclusives. So now the Lakers had an article dropped on them that basically exposed them for what we all know is probably the worst organization in sports. Not maybe, not just basketball, but probably in sports. Um, they are. I guess trying to figure out how they're going to be run. So I guess the stripped down version is magic. Didn't know what he was doing and was a bully. Rob, Rob Palenka's a liar. Genie's a bad owner. Somehow the Rambuses or Rambi, if you, however you want to call them, run the Lakers. Now um, everyone hates Rich Paul. Um, what else is that? Everything that's good. Um, yeah, that that seems outside of that, they should get a ton of free agents this summer, right? And Anthony Davis. So, Zach, what's the first thing you want to talk about for the Lakers? I guess mirror your problems. I want to talk about something that just came out recently with Rob Polinka, and I think it might be the funniest thing in this whole saga. How he was, how he lied to Dwayne Johnson about Kobe having dinner with Heath Ledger to talk about how he got I think how he got into character to play the Joker even though Heath Ledger died before the movie came out and somehow that managed to go unchecked up until just recently like I'm come on man how are you gonna how are you gonna lie to the rock about Heath Ledger being the Joker that that I don't even know man that sticks out more than anything else, because we already knew the Lakers were a mess. It was just a matter of how big of a mess were they? We knew ownership mm-hmm. was a train wreck. The front office just was like, imagine just like toddlers running a daycare center. That's what I imagined the front office was. It's just like a whole bunch of people who had no idea what was going on. And as a result, there was no one that they could go to to try to figure out those issues. It's just, it's all so bizarre. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost comical just because it's funny right now, but it's going to get funnier just because it's going to get worse in so many ways. And I kind of want to talk about magic right now for a second. So magic went on first take and basically I guess last week and basically just lampooned the organization, but somehow thought that was going to be a good idea. 
and then defended himself again for everything that he did wrong. So the fact that people aren't, I don't think, killing magic enough is ironic at the fact that (laughs) he made bad moves. Like, I can literally go back and show you, like, how all those moves are bad. And even, let's say, even his good moves are like, did he need to do that? So, mind you, people want to try to give magic credit for LeBron, right, coming to the Lakers, right? They want to give him credit for getting rid of the Mozgov contract. They want to give him credit for, um, and then, you know, getting Kuzma, and then getting... um, and then, and then, and then, initially, be able to get LeBron. That's how all those things happen, right? So let's break that actually down. So uh, Magic goes on first take and says, "Oh, I had to get rid of Lonzo Ball. I had to get rid of D'Angelo Russell because he was a problem in the locker room, right?" That's what that was. He said, "Did you really have to get rid of Lonzo? I mean, D'Angelo Russell." Because if you look at everyone else on that team, the next year, all those guys were basically gone. They were all role players, essentially. I mean, Swaggy P was gone. Kobe retired. That whole roster wasn't there. So what exactly were you trying to say that you said that you couldn't keep him on the team? And it's already shown you that D'Angelo Russell's a way better player than Alonzo Ball in the deal. So... If you really want to get rid of Mozgov, why didn't you just attach the second overall pick and send that to Brooklyn and then trade and get the 27th pick? So you still could have gotten D'Angelo and Kuzma, gotten off the contract, and gotten LeBron. So this idea that Magic made a good move to get LeBron isn't true. So, like, what else is there? I don't think he did any good moves his entire time there. Any. No, that's correct. Because we already knew that LeBron was going to LA anyway. I mean, where else was he going to go? So Magic didn't even really have to recruit him like that. And just going back to the whole D'Angelo Russell situation, that is also an indictment on how the Lakers player development staff is entirely non-existent and how upper management is just very toxic because in the position that he had, Magic was... He was the face of the front office. So when people thought of the Lakers and they thought of management, they thought of magic. Now, he likes to talk about all of the companies that he's built. And he's obviously, he's a very successful businessman. But with that comes having to put out a lot of fires. When you're the CEO of, of a business, everyone is going to you with their problems, which he's handled to have this very diverse business portfolio. I don't know if he didn't do that with the Lakers or he chose not to because at the time, D'Angelo Russell was, I think, 19 years old. And you're telling me, yeah, he was 19 or 20. Yeah, I think he was like 19 or 20. That you wouldn't have been able to teach him right from wrong. I mean, it's very obvious that he's grown. It's clear how, with how he's playing with Brooklyn that he's grown as both a player and as a person. He's not, he's not immature and he's, a, he's an all star. So it's just very odd how they were like, oh, no, we'll just we'll pick Nick Young over him, even though Nick Young shouldn't have. Yeah, Nick Young wasn't even on the team the next year. I'm not sure that you'd be want to you'd want to talk about stuff like that with a kid who you really don't know. And granted, Russell shouldn't have been recording the conversation, but I don't have experience in this. If you're cheating, 
I don't think you should be going around telling people that you're cheating. Am I right? Like, I don't, that just, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, listen, for people, if, if they have never seen me who have heard this podcast, know that I am a heavy subscriber in the idea of black men not cheating. So I am foreign to this language of <laughs> someone who is African-American who is cheating because that's just not part of my dialect. But if I were put in a situation, God forbid, where I was cheating, <clears throat> I, I mean, it, it all depends. Like, you got to stay right with these. I yeah. really think D'Angelo was just screwing around. And, I mean, I'm not going to relitigate the whole, like, snitching, dry snitching, whatever. I think he just got caught dry snitching. That's all it was. Um, and, you know, both parties seem better for it. Like, Nick Young's moved on and all sorts of stuff. But the idea that Magic has somehow, like, set the Lakers up to be good. No. I mean, have they really? Like, this, this something, like... I honestly, straight up, not even on some like hate stuff. If they don't get like Jimmy Butler or Kyrie, they're done because, and we can swing this over to like Anthony Davis and and the trades and whatnot, but like they've already, like the Lakers have already shown you their best offer. They can't give you anything else that's better than this. Their best offer is all the young guys, future picks, and the fourth overall pick in this year's draft. Now, it's going to get tricky with, like, does Griffin want all that or does he not? Now, you hear reports that Alvin Gentry likes, like, I think he said he likes Ingram and Lonzo. However, it's like you you have to figure out what Griffin wants. And to me... I don't I think there's I think there's plenty of other deals way better than what the Lakers have. Like even right now. Um I just I don't see the Lakers having a good like you keep trying to give me like Lonzo who's always hurt, Ingram who has blood clots and if he gets another one his career is finished and then you give me Kuzma who might get me between 17 and 22 a game but I don't know if he's that good in the playoffs and he's already like 24 25 years old. He might have peaked. And then picks with with a twenty six year old Anthony Davis, where all my picks will more than likely be at the best the end of the of the lottery or like the seventeenth eighteenth pick at best. So no, that's not good yeah. enough for me. It's- so I, I yeah, so like I I've held out this longest time and and. If you have another Lakers point, please jump in. That I think I think Anthony Davis is going somewhere. He's not going to. I don't think he's going to the Knicks, or I don't think he's going to the Lakers. I think he's going to another team completely different. I said on the last podcast, I think it'd be great if he went to Portland, but I just I don't see the. Uh, yeah, I don't I, see him ending up in L.A. But yeah, wanting a trade. There were reports that came out earlier how he hasn't changed his changed his stance on that, and it's. Hmm. It's still we don't really know where he wants to go. Like but I don't under I don't think No, he wants to go to the Lakers. It's just I don't he know can't why get he there. Want to go there. I under like I know I understand that, but cuz it's the lake like as much as we might want to cry, it's the same reason why but here's the thing. It's the same reason why people always put the Knicks into trade options. You always see every time a superstar requests a trade. Literally since, like, I think outside of Paul George, every player who's done this pre-agency thing 
has put the Knicks on the list, whether it was Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis. The all these guys have said, I want to go to the Knicks. They're, they use them. They use these big markets as proxies in order to like sell. I want a bigger brand or I want this. Or, I want that. You know, it's just they use them as proxies. So I generally think he wants to go to L.A. because I think he you know, sees himself as being a star player. But if he wants no. to win, like uh, actually yeah, has a chance to win, win, he shouldn't he go, to to go to the Lakers. Lakers is because of Los Angeles. They're not they're not an attractive. They're not an attractive destination anymore. It's great that they have LeBron yeah, and he's going to put up 28, seven and seven next year. But the rest of the organization is a train wreck. But here's a quiet secret. Outside of LeBron, they haven't had an all-star guy come to their team the, since the like hard, Shaq. Quiet as is kept. No one wants to go. Do you remember when LaMarcus Aldridge went there and they showed him how he can be a Hollywood star? And he was like, show me about basketball, and they didn't That's do anything? The front they can't get people there, bro. It's it's already... There's no word that appropriately describes yes. it. It It's just, honestly, it's just so fun. And the thing is, like, they're swinging and missing so much that... It's almost to me like just hilarious at this point that this is still even a topic of discussion that they are still just trying to go after this. Um, but yeah, all right, I'm done talking about. Oh, last thing, last thing, and this is the last point. We talk about the Lakers. We can move on after this. So, a lot of times I watch First Take. First Take's one of my favorite shows, right? And I used to watch it because, like, you know, I, I like Max obviously I like Stephen A. and I like Max. I like to listen to what they talk about, all this other stuff. I'm going to get to that point in a second. And I remember the first time, because I didn't know Max used to do drive time radio in New York. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And then he was like, he used to like be like, yo, the Knicks are a clown franchise. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of funny. Because, like, I agree with him. You know, this was like, I forgot what year he got on, but this is when Porzingis just got there, whatever, and they were muddling and they make the playoffs. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know if either the reps got in his ear or he was just holding this in this his whole time. He has sounded like a clown the last few months on this show. Like a clown. Like, he'll always bring up the Knicks all the time. And be like, they're terrible. James Dolan stinks. They'll never win a championship. La- he laughed at the idea that Kevin Durant was going there. And then as soon as Stephen A. reported it, he said, oh, well, I can see why he's going there. But he turns around. And goes, well, the Lakers still have a chance to get free agency. To this day. To this day. And it gets wrapped up in the idea that, like him, I feel other media members, they like Jeannie. They just do for some reason. I don't know if it's because she's a woman and we're in this new age of diversification and more respect for women, which I approve of. But when you actually respect and find women to be equal, you give them the same energy you would give to a man who's fucking up. And that's what she's doing. So I keep hearing this idea that Jeannie is a great businesswoman. So what exactly is her business? I call this like the Skip Bayless-ism, where it's like you just say an opinion, but just say it so hard that it sounds like a fact, but you have nothing to support it. What business is she great at? What business? Her family ran the Lakers. They didn't have any outside businesses. 
Okay. How hard is it to market the Lakers in LA in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s? They were the hottest thing in the league. What are you talking about? That's like me selling Apple stock. It's like, hey, man, I got this really good, good idea. I'm going to sell some Apple stock. What? So this whole conversation about how Jeannie's been this great GF or like this great president organization, she's terrible. And the, the letters of she needs to sell the team, I should start seeing some more of that because since she's taken over, she's been bad at everything. And so that was just the, the this idea of like, and I'm not the dude that goes like the media stuff, but the reporting on Jeannie yeah, or like the accusation either. that she's I'm, been going on I'm has down been for clowning the Knicks interesting and all that, to say it. I enjoy it. I enjoy poking fun at whoever is deserving. But when I'm having conversations with people, I will never slander one team and praise the other without also pointing out the fact that the other team is just as bad. Like you can say the Lakers are a hot free, free agency destination but also include that they're a dysfunctional mess in the same way the Knicks are. And they're both hot free. Well, the, now the Knicks are, it's different with the Knicks because they're not a hot mess anymore. But when the Knicks were a hot mess, you would have the exact same conversation about them. It's like they're, they weren't a free agency destination because of the team, but because of the city. Now it's a mix because of the team and the city. The Lakers, it's just the city. It's no longer the team. And I think as long as Jeannie is running the show there, it's going to be a mess unless she figures figures out a way to bring in competent people around her. Like, I think I don't know why she hired Magic. I don't know if, like, they're friendly or whatever. I haven't researched. That's the, like, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's not always about It was the names, bro. The name. That's, that's, uh, mean, that's, Google that's their Microsoft. besties. They don't yeah. have. They don't go out and look for CEOs with the most recognizable name. They look for the CEO mm -hmm. that is the most knowledgeable. And along the way, you pick up the names of those people. I mean, a basketball team is just like any other business, except it's just it's entertainment. So there's more people are more. It's they're, it's <laughs> they're more easily accessible. It's out there. Everything about your organization is out there, and. Really, the key to fixing that is to just hire competent people. Because once you put people in that organization, who they may they don't even have to do great things; they just can't be bad. Like you can, be, you could do nothing, and it's still better than being bad. And then you take the next step and start doing good things. That's where the Lakers have to fix it. It is a foundational issue where they have cracks in the foundation of the house that they're building. So now shit's all. It's moving and, you know, the ground is uneven and people are like, oh, wow, what's going, what's going on over here? It's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, everything's hidden. No one knows what's going on. And then you have to tear everything down and rebuild it. Just because, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's for real, man. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm off the Lakers now because... That was just too funny. Sorry. Okay. All right. So, um, that, uh, you know what? Let's move. Let's move. Talking about the finals to the end. Um, so I was reading this this article. It's by Zach. I don't believe it was Zach Cram. Let me see. 
uh, it was a Ringer article talking about the idea of, oh, it was, I was right. It was Zach Cram. It was Zach Cram of the Ringer who basically broke down the differences between what is what people consider homegrown players in the NBA and free agent, you know, rentals, hypothetically getting established veterans. And it was a good analysis. Basically, the whole point of the article was just to make the idea that no team has had a like um, no team has had like a, a significant amount of their mm-hmm. points per game or win percentage come from someone who the team who the organization did not draft. Okay. So if you want to go, this is a great plug, go on the ringers just up there. The most of the percentages of the of teams that won championships got their win shares mostly from players that they were drafted on the team. So I just go through the first couple of championships they had. So the 97-80, it was 41% homegrown. One of them was Magic Johnson. The 81 Celtics, it was um, Cedric Maxwell. The 82 at Lakers was Magic Johnson. Um, the 84 uh, Boston Celtics was Bird and uh, McHale. 85, Magic, Bird, McHale, the year after that. Magic, James Worthy, the year after that. Magic, Byron Scott, the year after that. Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman back two years. And then Michael Jordan, and so on and so on and so on. You get the point. So the reason why this article was brought up was because of the two coasts, what two coasts want to do. Uh, the Knicks, the, the Lakers, the Celtics, I mean, not Celtics, the Clippers and the Nets. Do you think that this holds any weight to winning a championship that you have to have quote unquote homegrown talent to be one of your better players to win a win a championship because the only team that didn't have I'll brace for you the only there's only two teams in here that didn't have players that they were that drafted that were the top two um, leading uh, scorers in the playoffs it was the 83 Philadelphia team it was Moses Malone Julius Irving. And Julius Irving is a little bit complicated because they tr- took him from the ABA. And then the 2004 Detroit Pistons with Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace. Interesting to look so at how, how do you feel about that being like a, a major stat? how it line. falls decade by decade. Well, how it's fallen since 1990. And that's just indicative of the time that we're in. It's homegrown stars now. Mm-hmm. It's more of like mm-hmm. a fan thing where people can attach themselves to a player and they and they watch him grow and all that is he vital in winning a championship it depends on who on who you surround him with so we'll take Steph Curry for example Steph Curry won a championship without Kevin Durant and he won championship a championship with Kevin Durant it doesn't it doesn't matter because of the star of how great of a basketball player he is. He's one of the, I don't know, three, four best basketball players on the planet. If they're a lesser tier player, then you're going to have to bring someone in who's not homegrown. And I don't, I don't think that's an issue because the goal is to win a championship. It doesn't really matter how it happens. I mean, the your fan base is going to be happy with the championship, regardless of how it, of how it comes. It's just, it's just the time that we're living in with all the shorter contracts and the salary cap is higher. It you really don't even have that much time to build 
a homegrown team. I think the Warriors might be one of the last teams that would that are going to have like a homegrown dynasty for at least a couple years. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I see your point um, with that. I think that this was a good statistic or at least good stat and a good idea to kind of think of. But practically, this makes sense. I mean, if you just think about it, mm-hmm. the guys who win in this league, right, or the teams while they live in that win in this league, right, you have to have cost effectiveness on your roster. So typically the guys that are like the league is set up for, for the draft to be most important. You draft the player. They're really cheap for the first two, three years of their contract. You picked up their fifth-year option or fourth-year option. They're still really cheap. So for the first four years, they're really cheap. Then you sign them as restricted free agents. Then they get – then that money is – it doesn't count against your cap initially. Mm-hmm. That's why you can then go out and get more of those players. And then they're on still not cheap but relatively cost-low contracts You know, for the foreseeable future. Then when they really hit free agency in their seventh, eighth, ninth year – that's when you really got to make the decision on whether or not to keep them or not, or if they want to stay. So even then, before the money gets kind of out of hand, you've already accumulated seven to 10 years of service time from them where it didn't necessarily affect your cap to the point where if you went out and got a Kevin Durant, a Kawhi, LeBron, those caliber of players at that time. You get what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, just by nature sure. of the business, you have to have players on your team that affect you, – you basically have to have players on your team that outplay their contracts, mm-hmm. okay? Like, you have to be – yeah, it's like so, like, Pascal Siakam is outplaying the 27th – I think it was 27th, 24th pick in the draft. He's outplaying that contract, okay? Um, obviously, Kawhi clearly has outplayed the 15th pick in his draft his contract, you know? So while I think this was a good article and it like it, it you could think maybe it's a cautionary tale, it's a this league's about getting players, okay? No matter if you draft them, no matter if you sign them as free agents, undrafted, traded for them, you gotta get guys who can hoop. And while yeah, it'd be cost efficient to get them when they're, you know, in the early stages of their career or you know, when of you course. draft them. I mean just think of Twitter. I, I just think it's about getting basketball players. Now, to your point about fans, I definitely do think fans get emotional with their own players. And, yeah, and like I, I try to keep my emotions out of it, too, because we're about to go through a bunch of trades where it's like I just <laughs> – I see the overrated point of having prospects. Like I was listening to another podcast, and they were making – I think it was – um Nick's film school. They're making a very a very good point. Everyone, whoever has young players, first, second, third year, probably first and second year players, teenagers on their team, they always go use the argument of, well, they're only 19. They're only 20. They've only been the year league a year, a year and a half, two years. They got hurt. Right? The, the, the point then is to understand that like their value 
can go the other way also. No one we never think at like, you know, all right, like example, Kevin Knox. No one, no yeah. one who's on the Knicks ever thinks in their head that this right now is his highest value. You get what I'm saying? Like everyone thinks it'll, it'll go up because, like I said, he's 19. He barely, you know, it's all these other metrics. But this could be the best he is. Like Brandon Jennings, his best year in the league by any statistical measurement was right. his first to, year in the league. Especially since we're about and to he got about worse the every year after especially that. Especially when it comes to trading so, for a proven you know, it's just something you got to consider when things like that happen. Player, or at least you should because realistically, once a player has reached a certain height, they're not going to get much worse until they get older. And they're probably not going to get much better. Like not every 28 year old is going to be like Paul George and be a most improved player candidate after his eighth year in the league. So we'll use Anthony Davis as an example. If you're a team with a, with a group of young players and you're thinking about whether to trade them or not, you know, Anthony Davis is one of, is a perennial all NBA player and an MVP candidate when he's healthy, he's going to go out and put up 26 and 12 in his sleep and shoot for shoot 52% from the field. There aren't many players who are going to reach that peak in their career. So if you're thinking about, if you're hesitant about pulling the trigger, pull that trigger. And I do understand there are a lot of fans that are, they don't want to believe that. And it's okay. It's okay to be upset if your team trades a player, but then you kind of have to rationalize it by thinking as if, as if you were that general manager or that owner, your objective is to win basketball games. And the fans are going to be much more upset if they have four bad years, four straight really bad years, instead of like two mediocre and then two great if it comes at the expense of trading a young player that they really like. So that's where that's where it gets tricky because you have two sets of people who are looking at the same situation through two radically different glasses. And this will always be an issue. <laughs> yeah, for as real, long as man. There are like, sports, there will be fans it's that definitely are something that's when something when the team doesn't do something. It's definitely something that's like going to be like an issue. Like, but these these are why these guys get paid like the big bucks, bro. All right, so yeah, of course. <laughs> Just as Kevin Durant said, people on Twitter are irrational. Shout out KD. Yeah, it's just it just is what it is. That's why you can't listen to the fans because fans are idiots. Oh. They, I mean, I'm serious. Fans, fans are idiots. Are you gonna? Put, right. Are you gonna mention that yeah. trade you texted me? Yesterday? <laughs> um. So yes, we get into some trades. So I've been looking at. So we're gonna first off with like the Knicks, some Knicks trades. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that I have that trade, and I have a couple other ones. Well, first, it's more of a more of an uh, a conversation. So I think the three dudes that are gonna get traded. This offseason before the season start are going to be Conley, Beal, and Davis. Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal for people who don't know who we're talking about. Um, and I weirdly think that all these all of these guys affect the other. So let's just hypothetically say Davis goes to let's say let's let's say he goes to L.A. All right. If I'm Washington, even though I don't know who runs Washington, the price just went up for Bradley Beal. 
You get what I'm saying? Because now, if you're the Knicks or if you're the Clippers or if you're the Nets, maybe not the Nets. I think the Nets still have a, a little bit of good gracing with like the media. But if you're definitely the Clippers or especially the Knicks, if you come away, like if you get to like free agency or like free agent passes and you don't have anybody, you're going to feel the pressure, whether it's the media, whether it's Dolan, who's always lurking in the in the doldrums. You're going to feel something to get a name to hit, get the back pages. And if I'm Washington, I got Bradley Beal for two more years. I don't need to trade him now. I can. I got plenty of chances to trade him. Whether it's this this during the draft, during the free agents, or during the uh, trade deadline this coming year, the next draft, the next yeah. free agents. I have so many more opportunities for me to move him. And for me, if I was running the Knicks, right, personally, I would try to get Bradley Beal first. You get what I'm saying? I would go after Beal just because I think he'll cost less. And also, I believe that he'll he'll fit better with the guys you have around your team. And I think you're able to at least keep some of your young players. Now, the issue is the money. Because unfortunately, the Knicks don't have any money on their roster. Like, whoever the third pick's going to be, is going to be the highest paid player on the team at the time. Because I think the next highest paid player guy, I think, is Neil Akina. He makes like $4.8 million next question. year. I think um, Bradley. Mm, so, like what do you Bradley think? Do you think Bradley Beal should be a, the first option for season. our team? Does it have to be the, the Knicks? Or is, am I crazy? They should just go for, you know, yeah, it's, uh, Anthony Davis. We definitely competed a little bit more on that end. Um, him over Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I think if you, I think if you yeah. know, I didn't realize how good he was on defense too. Because <laughs> the the thing, yeah. Because the thing is, is like the the issue oh, with God with bless. them is you, one, yeah. you don't know who's running the team, and two, like. What exactly are they gonna like desire? I don't know. I'm looking over in a trade, and especially like they have the John Wall issue. They have him for another four years, and then a player option. (laughs) Yeah, God bless that contract. I mean, it's Um, yeah. Go ahead. Not a bad contract to take on. Twenty-seven million for a a soon-to-be twenty-six-year-old all-star who could give you twenty-five, five, and five. Right. Hmm. It's the same thing with Davis. Like, yeah, and you only have to give up, and you, you know, if, you're, if you're if you're if you're already maxed out, you only have to match twenty one million of the dollars. You know, unless you're just bringing him in as your as your yeah, second I mean, quote unquote max to guy part with a sizable chunk of players. I think Washington is going to try to get a lot for Brad, for Bradley Beal, and they can leverage the fact that he just had the best season of his career. And he's probably going to get better over the next two seasons. They can definitely. I think it just be more important to get AD. That and we are, and we already know New Orleans is going to want a whole bunch of stuff for Anthony Davis if they do decide to trade him. At that point, if you have two organizations asking for similar packages, 
just go after the better player, which is Anthony Davis. Yeah. And we just got done talking about how you need mm-hmm. how you need good players to win a championship. But this if trading for Davis almost guarantees that you're going to have to sign a point guard in free agency, whether it be Kyrie yeah, I'm I'm definitely conflicted about this. My I I, I tend to agree with you because obviously we think Anthony Davis is a better player than than Bradley Beal. Yeah. But the thing is, so but here's the here's another thing, and this is kind of why yeah. I'm like I'm I kind of pushing it back against this. So here's the thing. Uh huh. Two. So Sorry. two reasons why I think uh, the Knicks should probably trade for AD right now, because if they trade for AD right now, he basically takes up one of those max slots, and then if you sign KD, then that's just KD. While everyone, if you look at the West and the East, those are two totally different leagues. The point guard play in the West is stupid. I mean, De'Aaron Fox probably isn't going to make an all-star team for the next two years. Think about that. For the next two seasons, Uh, he's probably not going to make an all-star team. CJ McCollum has yet to make an all-star team, and he won a game seven on the road in a playoff game. Dame Lillard has missed uh, All Star games, and you know what? We'll throw Williams right? in there too. It is going to be a bloodbath yeah. of point guards in the West, but in the East, and there's James Harden, yeah, and Steph Curry, two-time MVP, and Russell Westbrook, and Mike Conley, who's never made a postseason game, and Devin Booker. In the East, yeah, it's it's stupid, but in the East, listen. I think the big man play is coming. Now, to me, if the Knicks really want to like try to get to the East, Giannis had a, is is getting and what I said before why I picked the Raptors to get to the finals was you got to take that L and you need people to start questioning you. You need just I don't know why it works like this in the league, but you need people to question your character, question your skill set, all that stuff. And he's coming back next year even better yeah so between Giannis and Embiid Anthony Davis is the guy you got to get to stop those two guys and I love Mitch Mitch is the close to my heart but he's not stopping either one of those guys like Anthony Davis at least can like go toe to toe with them okay and to win the east you got to go through one of those two teams Okay, they're not going to knock themselves like they're going. You're going to see one. So as much as I like Brad Beal, I would trade for Davis now because I think it would be cheaper. You can have two. him. I think too. And then also sign KD. And then, I guess play Dennis Smith at point guard. Like I don't know. It's it's a tough decision. Because I don't think you need a super team. I don't think you need to get three all NBA caliber players on the team. I think you can get by with one or two dudes. Yeah, especially if the Warriors break up. Like it's doable, um, but I definitely do think it's like gonna be an issue. But 
while we did talk about Anthony Davis, let me circle back to this trade. So the trade I had, this was a draft night trade. Um, this was a trade for Bradley Beal. The Knicks would get Beal, the fifth pick in the draft, and a top 20, uh, a, a 2020 top seven first round pick from the Cleveland. The Cavs would get the third pick, R.J. Barrett, Frank Milikina, and Lance Thomas. The Wizards would then get Kevin Knox, J.R. Smith, John Henson, Alonzo Trier, the Dallas 2020, 2023 first-round pick, is top 10 protected, and a 2025 first-round pick from the Knicks, top seven protected. Now, the issue I see with my own, you know, you know, my own uh, chat is this. Hmm. It's the it's the Lance Thomas aspect because if they pick up that option and they can't make this trade, then he counts against their cap, and it's seven million dollars, and I'll, they can't cut him. I think till opening day. So if they pick up the option and they can't move him, then they can't sign two free agents at that point. They can only sign one. Um, so that hurts. Actually, and the second point, which I think is a larger point, is if I'm the Wizards, I don't know if the I would want the best thing in the draft, the best thing in the trade. And to me, the best thing in the trade is the third pick. You know, unless they just love Kevin Knox and be like, oh yeah, we we love him, we'll take him. You know, but that was my own trade and my own analysis of it. What what do you think about it? Or maybe they do it just to maybe they decline. Like I think, that's I think What's it's up? an okay deal if the Wizards are ready to just like the Cavs love R.J. Barrett, bro. From scratch, I do think it would be possible for for the deal to get done, but there are of course some the, the Cavs love, like, bro. The, the, the Cavs more? love R.J. Barrett. They're only like they yeah. really want him. Yeah, but that's the thing. Could the Lakers would the Lakers just basically take what they what they're trying to get for Anthony Davis and just give it to the Wizards? I think the Wizards would do that. I think the Wizards would take Wall. Like if we redid this trade and did it with the Lakers, the Lakers. Well, I, maybe I don't. I mean, of, if they if they're taking him into the cap, I, I think they it'll be a little bit easier. But if they sent over, there's just a, there's a lot more Lonzo risk. Ingram and we already know the fourth he pick. He's gonna be a solid player. That's probably enough. You would think. Player. To take so to get to, to get uh, and then, Beal, I, mean, I would the think level, that the talent difference between Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal is. Right. It's, it's, still, a, it's still a decent margin there. Davis is, Davis is top five. Beal is I don't know. He's in that fifteen to twenty yeah. range. So there are a couple tiers between the two. Yeah, just because of the one thought. Yeah, I guess I get to get Kuzma. Bradley yeah, Beal and LeBron and not Davis. Yeah, I'd say go mm-hmm. after him. But that's also an entirely different situation. Mhm. Yeah. 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 
That's fucking lame. All right, I have a, I have a quick, I have a Nets trade now. All right, so this is has to, this is complicit on Kemba uh, opting into his contract. So uh, Michael Jordan is not trying to play that luxury tax. He's not giving Kemba that supermax money, right? Kemba says, "I'm trying. To, I'm not trying to lose out on eighty million dollars." So what he does is he does a Chris Paul from last year, two years ago. He opts into his contract. He gets traded to Brooklyn. Given what we know about the situation, Brooklyn sends back Irving and the Nets. Alan Crabb to make the deal work instead of trading. There are two first round picks this year, even though it would get and a protected first round pick in 2021. I mean, you're giving. How do you feel? You can keep and you can keep Russell. Now the thing is, you're going to have to renounce Russell and then sign him back. No. Karis Karis Levert is the best player on the Nets right now. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So you wouldn't trade for Kemba, even though you're really not giving up a lot. You're giving up pretty much picks and expiring. So oh, oh, and also wait, wait, question, question, and you keep question. It's really not and Karis that Levert. big of a deal. Whereas if you trade for Kemba, who's a great player, but you're, you're still not going to do it. Takes Levert off the team. It's just I don't see that working out well long term. All right, I just threw it out there. Just want to see. All right, you about to trade Mitch for AD? Yes, do it. I don't know. What's the rest of the trade? Uh, it works. It's just Mitch is the only question mark. All right. Okay. All right. And then, all right. So another Knicks trade. This is a little bit less of a trade. My heart is about to, I'm about to throw up saying this. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. Just, it works. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It works. It works. It works. Yeah, yeah, it just it just works. Um, so Knicks trade with the Hawks. Ugh, man, Knicks give up the third pick. I think that. Well, um, they get R.J. Barrett, the Hawks. I don't know who the they Knicks would get pick the eighth and tenth pick. The other and a future Atlanta. Pick, I think they, heavy no, no, protected no, no, about, first round pick. I don't. So three I'm not, picks. I'm not too sold on Cam Reddish. They take Cam sure. Reddish and Jonathan you know. Hayes, the dude from Texas. Also. If, Jackson Hayes, I'm sorry. Excuse me. If Brendan Clark, All right, is how on do you the board feel? And they pick Cam Reddish. That is, that's just gross incompetence, right there. But it was what was it? It was three picks to the Hawks. I said Cam Reddish to the Knicks. Excuse me. They get the third pick. I listen, listen. I would lose my mind if this trade actually happened. I'm taking it as a joke. Three picks to the Knicks and the Hawks. All the Hawks get is the. Uh, no, they should just keep. They should keep is, the third. Yeah, is they get the they third pick. The third, Actually, yeah. I think it might have to be is like it, a twenty. Really, with the third pick, you can't mess Sorry. up. Um, I think the Hawks if, get. Uh, you, the Hawks you know, sent their. 10, I think twenty twenty two pick. Two. Take the third pick. 
the no i'm lying the thunder the thunder sent the hawks a 2022 pick so let's yeah so let's just say the knicks get that pick like they just i don't trust any tape in an open all because right. i i've seen my I've I've seen myself in the open gym and I'm like, damn, I can go to the league, and then I know I can't go to the league. I mean, I know that Cam Reddish has the potential to be a great basketball player. Yeah, man, uh, I'm getting really nervous. I'm seeing a lot of Cam Reddish uh, hype, and I got a lot of Cam Reddish really workout tape. Get that taste out of my mouth, especially because they built him as a shooter. And no, just, none, because you know what doesn't happen in the NBA? Open shots. It was so disheartening. He had, I think, like two or three good games this year. And it was like, man. <laughs> you had one ball-dominant player in Zion. Didn't shoot? All right, in defense of Reddish, right, of Reddit, yeah, Reddish, he had two basically, like, I want to call them ball-dominant, but you got RJ and Zion on your same team. Yeah, and you're playing in a system with Mike Krzyzewski that might not be the most NBA-friendly, even though he's had a bunch of NBA guys come and go through there. So it's the same thing. Like, I'm not comparing the two necessarily, like, his ability, but if you look at Clay at the start of his season, he's kind of in the same role. Okay, so Clay, uh, while we're while we're talking, you know, about this, right? He start he struggled, and it's hard to get out of the struggle when you Clay don't get the ball. When Steph's shooting a bunch one. and KD's shooting a bunch, you Clay know, Thompson has established himself but, as a lights as a lights out. What? But you would Cam think Reddish when Zion got hurt, Cam would play better. He actually got worse. Open right now. This man so shot I'm not touching Cam Reddish with a 10 foot pole. I think that is Jeff Green all over. He had 80 uncontested. He had 80 unguarded shot attempts, and he missed 49. Even if he's in a system with multiple ball dominant players, a catch and shoot shot is easy money for a shooter who is as lights out as Cam Reddish. It'd be different if let's say he were in Barrett's position and coach K wants him to create and he's taken a lot of off the dribble jumpers and they're just not falling, but he's making a lot of twos. That wasn't the case either. He shot what? 35%, 36% from the field overall. I mean, he just, he did not have a good season and I don't think he's going to be a bad NBA player, but to see him encroach that top five position, it may, it makes my heart hurt. It gives me anxiety that knowing that a team might mess up and pick him over someone who is has at least proven they're worthy of being drafted that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. Yeah, he's got the he's got the physical build of a modern NBA yeah, forward. Bro, like, he's 6'9". I, I can six definitely eight, see whatever. a team he's taking athletic. him and just being because I mean, once you to me once you get size, like so I mean 
He can between at least make eight and he's not ten or twelve. I think you're just at the point of just like I think that's you're just pulling at straws. Like you don't really know but who's going to be good. I think, and I do think like, there's a floor for Cam Reddish, like is, would be of where he should and shouldn't mistake. go. Like because he does have also in high that NBA area, traits, but you're looking at he could not be, he couldn't be the best player on my team. He couldn't look at R.J. Barrett. These are guys who the pressure of them to turn around their respective franchises that draft them is incredibly high and as it gets lower in the draft lottery that mm-hmm. pressure kind of fades especially now because the lottery is all over the place you may have a talented player who goes to a team that isn't that bad i mean even zion is going to a team that is you know relatively okay like they didn't have the greatest odds of picking it one over at picking first it's just it happened but one through five that's you want to make sure that you're sold on the guy you're drafting. Answer. I don't like that. I do. I do. Because when you think about it, it's not that I hate D'Angelo Russell. I love him yeah. a lot as well. And it's not that I hate Kyrie Irving, although he was kind of over underwhelming this season. Got you. With Kyrie. All right. Question. I don't know how long he's going to want to be with the team. Right? Nets so sign Kyrie. Young, Nets sign. Go the route of someone D-Lo like back. or LeBron and sign they a trade Karis Levert one one deals for Aaron not Gordon. Want to stay anywhere long term because that's just not how it plays out. With you really LeBert, love Karis Levert, man. He is the kind of foundational player that organizations want. He is a versatile offensive player. He can score. He can create. He can't really shoot yet, which is a little bit of a bummer, but once he gets his shot figured out, it's going to be, he's going to have, it's going to be a great dynamic for the Nets offense, but he's also great on defense. Now, I don't know what he would look like mm-hmm. if he were forced to run the team by himself. It's great that he has Russell there and they can play off of one another. But I just think that long term, Levert has shown higher upside than D'Angelo Russell has, and that's why I don't want to trade Levert unless it's for someone of either equal caliber or equal potential. If we get a couple more years down the line, no, I'm not doing that. Just not doing that. He's my Mitchell Robinson. Now, if, now, you know, if we trade Levert for Steph, maybe, you know, maybe I'll think about it. Maybe I'll think, nah. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want Levert to leave. I really don't. All right. Levert for CJ McCollum straight up. <laughs> yeah, you surely love Levert. He is your Mr. Robinson. I see. I can see him. Oh, maybe. You think about have, it. Long conversation. Three picks. I don't know um, who's is who. But we have the 17th. I want to say the 27th? Yeah. And then a second All right. Pick. So, last thing. We just talked about, I guess, like the draft aspect of it. Um, other thing. Wow. So, nah, oh, we got plenty of time. Uh, I'm going to. So, the draft, the draft aspect of this. Um. I'm getting nervous, obviously. Yeah, they got something for that. You know, Knicks obviously have the third pick. You have what? the? I know you have the this pick, and you have who else's pick? 
Cleveland's pick? Houston's pick? So we have our own pick, which is the 17th. Yeah. And then the other first round pick is from Denver. Yeah. And the second uh, round I forgot pick which pick. Knicks. No, I think it's the Raptors pick you have. Yeah. Right? Or that was last year. Yeah, because because for uh the the Denari yes, Carroll trade. Correct. Yeah. So you probably have the thirtieth pick. I know Cleveland has two picks in the first round. Houston had not Houston. Uh, the Celtics have four, which none of them mean anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's where it was. Karis, yeah, because it's uh Fareed. And then you have our second round pick, and then we have Houston's second round pick. Yeah, forgot. All right, so obviously for uh, for for the Knicks, our side, uh, the one guy that's been linked to us the entire time has been R.J. Barrett, the the outstanding freshman from Duke, and. I'm really concerned just because I don't know. I don't know. I think he can be a good player, but God, this free agency is playing with my mind because in a shell, if like, if, if, if Durant and Kyrie said we are not coming to Knicks, if this was the Knicks were not in any discussion of anybody, then I can see them drafting Barrett and be perfectly fine with that because he could run the offense. You could play Barrett and Knox together. You might be able to even trade Knox if you think you want to give the team over to Barrett at some point. There's a lot of good possibilities with that pairing if you just take Barrett and just go with the team. The issue is I think his his main ability is to score. And... If you get Kyrie and you get KD, if you get Durant and you get Kawhi, you get Durant and get Kemba, whoever, scoring, you don't, you're not going to need that score. You might need a shooter, which he didn't shoot well this year in the league. <laughs> um, and you need a guy to play defense. He didn't play defense that well, and he's also a rookie. Um, it's just a lot of things that just he makes up that I'm just not really going to necessarily feel good about. Whereas someone who's like, you know, Jared. Culver, I think, is a very easy pick and play. That's if you think the put in the system right now, and he's able to impact winning immediately. But I think the Knicks would get ripped to shreds if they took him at three. Now, yeah, like like so, like how we talked about how the Cavs really liked um, RJ. Yeah, I can see a three to five. You you fall back to five, and then. You basically pick Culver at five and potentially get like another lottery pick behind it. Um, So that's what I what I was thinking about. What's up? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. Uh, Yeah, the only issue is with the Lakers is like Culver would be the only issue with is like. Third. Is the are the Lakers going to take Culver at four? I don't know. I think they're going to take before um, guys because I think they're going to try to get everything the Pelicans would want. RJ, although his best attribute is being a slasher, now a very solid here's the thing: what if if the if the what if the Knicks gave the Lakers RJ and said you can have Anthony Davis? 
even if it is said we'll flat we'll fall to four take rj at three backup plan and you know rj could maybe turn into someone and then take culver at four he'll go out he'll get 22 five and six and just keep things steady i don't know if you'll get that with Jarrett culver because you texted me last night before i fell asleep that you think culver can reach like a Kawhi leonard level he has like a Kawhi leonard-esque ceiling even now, Kawhi Leonard isn't that great of a playmaker. It's passing is his weakest attribute. If you just like look at the numbers, he's really not that great a passer. If you're okay with having Dennis Smith be the long-term point guard, that it really doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it that's what that's what it comes down to. Would you rather? Would you rather your backup plan be a slasher who can also make plays and it is an an inadequate defender? Or would you rather your backup plan be a slasher who is an elite defender but doesn't isn't that great of a playmaker? I'm I'm actually not, but that's a different discussion. Anybody? I just have a feeling that because for this trade to work, so I'll I'll just list off the trade without Beal. So I think what would happen would be Knicks would get the fifth pick and a top seven pick in the for next year's draft or whenever, just another first round pick, and then the Cavs would get the third pick and Frank Mikey. I think that's just what that's what the trade would be. The issue though is in New York is. One of a few things. A, no one in New York watches actual any college basketball, so they just freak out at um it'd be, it'd be at, like, like the sight of, really of anybody else that they weren't told that they should get. No, bro. No, no, well. No, they booed Knox. They booed Knox because they wanted Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, who didn't play at all next? Who didn't play at all last year? And you know, yeah, but don't worry. They 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 didn't want a guy who didn't play at all last year who had multiple back surgeries. But go ahead, yeah, idiots, idiots. Like it's it, it amazes me every year, bro. A point. Yeah, it's like you you just I, selling I it yourself. I'm just sitting there like be upset because the tournament what. I know the they were like, I mean, "Oh, we want to shake Gildas Alexander." Regardless, but okay, it's but it's like the, the idea that you wanted a guy who played three games college in college that Once you didn't see. Starts, you don't watch New York doesn't watch college basketball in general. So a guy who you didn't see, who didn't play, who had multiple back surgeries, you wanted him over the guy who played seventy-seven games this year and at least showed signs of being a good to great shooter. Yeah, well, I mean, DeAndre Hunter is also just, just idiots, a very solid man. prospect. I think I have him fifth, but that's just me. Fifth or sixth. No, I think they'll boo. They'll boo. Mm-hmm. 
Until De- 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 uh, DeAndre Hunter got to him. Yikes. Yeah. All right. But all right, so so to the passing point, so I'll just I'll um read off their stats. So RJ Barrett, I'll read their per forty because that's a little bit more interesting. So per forty, he averaged twenty five point seven, eight point six rebounds, four point nine assists. So the, the shot is he there. shot fifty percent from the field there. from effective field goal percentage need, that it, includes your free throws and three point percentage. Um, one steal a game, half a block a game. 30.8% from three and 66% from the free throw line. That is yeah. awful. Now, Culver, he shot it worse from three, but he took a lot less. He took one six, 161 to Barrett's 237. Jesus, he took 237 threes. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what people are saying. It needs work. Yeah, and then the issue is he shot better at the free throw line from than Barrett. He shot seventy point seven to Barrett sixty six, but Barrett took over a hundred more free throw attempts. Not a hundred. He took uh, the optics are not great. No, they took about the same amount of free throws attempt two forty two two hundred twenty four for Barrett and two hundred eight for Culver. The issue, like the the issue for me, is that. Are we just going to get another project where a guy we're going to have to bring along his offense, and how long is that going to take? Because Nick fans are very, like I said, impatient. We've already had this talk before. I wouldn't trade Frank Nilakina. However, with just who got drafted around him and him getting hurt and him just not being efficient offensively, who we could have had too, who also I don't really want the team either, yeah, it doesn't look great. But I feel like he has a chance to be like really good. And it's not just the fact I'm that a, he has a chance to I'm be at so least not, as good as so Barrett. You can get a first round pick from the Cavs. From the Cavs? That is gold. That is something that that is a that is something you can really trade in the future. Or even this year, if you want to get, if you if you're like we're going for it now, we need to get other bodies because a twenty, even if it's top seven, top six percent protected, and it like breaks apart into a couple of years. If you're telling me the Cavs, who have been incompetent for every other year, LeBron James hasn't been there, that is something beautiful. So what? Yeah, like. I've already listen. I I don't know if me and you've had this discussion, but I I really 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 like Frank, and I don't like I like Nick's draft picks, like, but I don't ever go like head over shoulders with a lot of them because you know me. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, so like I kind of listen to what other people say and try to form an opinion from that. There have I've literally watched Frank be one of the only players who shut down elite point guards. Elite point guards. He was the one stopping James Harden when James Harden was going off for 61, and then we put him on the bench. Okay? He was the one stopping Kyrie Irving when Kyrie Irving was beating us. Like, when you have a, the way I, the game I'm, is, and he's, he's so big, he's a lot bigger than these dudes. I get it. 
the potential his offense is atrocious. Really atrocious. I understand. 20 minutes a night. But even if he continues at this rate for I've seen career, him be able to make plays, and is, I accept the fact the Knicks are going to trade him. Great. I don't know when, where, but they're going to trade him. And I've already – I've resigned to that fact score, to shoot. what it is. But like, I, mean, I feel like I'm like a crack guys, at it. It's just get, like, uh, trust now. me, trust me. It's like I mean, if, if he's in a good spot, I think he can be a starting caliber two guard. Like you can start him in playoff games. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he'll be an all-star. I don't think he's a good. I don't think he's a bust. I think he's a. He can be a good NBA player. Start to improve next year. It may just be time to to just pack it in and worry about potentially working on another project. Because you're gonna have to work with any young player. I don't care who. I don't care who draft who the player you draft is. They will need improvement. If you can't LeBron score, you can't be on the court. He was not the same player now when he was 18 years old. You can't be on the court. Michael Jordan needed improvement when the Bulls drafted him. All these guys have to get better. But the thing was, they all showed signs of improvement. Like, you know, LeBron, a couple years into the league, started to become better off the dribble. Then he developed a bit of a post game. Then he became like a respectable shooter, 35, 36, 37%. Neil Aquina... He doesn't have to average 30, I don't know, 27 points a game. But if he can find a way to shoot 35, 36%, the Knicks will hold on to him because yeah. that because is a person who can shut down elite shot creators. But if he's not doing anything else and the offense is already struggling as it is, yeah. it's not it's not worth it. You have another Tony Allen in a time where yeah. no disrespect to Tony Allen, though. Shout out to him. Right. Yeah, he had moments. For sure. I think he was a lot yeah. more confident in playing the game he wanted to play. I improved a lot. Well, I so mean, he took wait, a but, lot of threes and struggled to get well, to the basket. My question but just is, he knows my question just is, is like, yeah, spots. Tony Allen. So, like, <laughs> that was, that was great. Shout out to him. It's so he's to go Russell was there for two years. He just finished his second year. If you guys, the most the Nets. athletic. Did you see signs of him being this good last year, the year before that, in 2017, I guess? The 2017, 2018 season? Like that 12 to 16 foot mark, but just has. What what was the biggest thing I think for you guys, do you think he improved on from last year? Was it consistency or was it more like confidence? Like, what was the one thing you can be like, he got a lot better at this than that? And he shot 36.9% from three, which is. 4.5 4.5 percentage points better he improved for sure and it, it was noticeable like watching him like wow this like there were moments where he was bringing the ball yeah he the never takes free throws and you were like he's there's no one that's going to stop this kid regardless of how unathletic he is and as a result he's a most improved player candidate now i do want to add a little caveat the injuries definitely hurt him last year and I will afford that same luxury to Frank. I know he battled what was it? shoulder problems for a lot of the year. Like yeah. 
So granted, his development may have been stunted for a little bit. And right. Right. That's also that's the Knicks' fault. That's the that's front, pretty good. The front office's fault. With the Nets, they were like Mm-hmm. Right, correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a groin. Well, the groin took him out the rest of the year. Well, and they also they added like four point guards since he's been drafted. He's he's thick. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. Well, obviously, we can make the point that this front front office didn't draft him, which is always the excuse, which I don't really like. I mean, he's an asset on your team. You should do whatever you can to make his asset at least the highest you can. Um, but just speaking of that is like I don't Frank I honestly don't think the Knicks view him as a point guard. I think they view him as body. a two or three. So he's still gonna like um like wait. a three and D kind of guy. To and me personally, view him like as I would love if he was like a watered down Drew Holiday. They can't use that as a guy who can just get in your chest and lock you up. And like Drew Holiday is also a big guy too. You know what? You're good. You can lock down James Harden. Cool. But even yeah, a down Drew Holiday is going to put up. Yeah, he's a big five. guy. Um, but like, even if he wasn't that, at least if he was like Marcus well, yeah, Smart. I mean, now he's a lot bigger than Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart. Marcus Smart, I think, is only like six four, six five. Frank's six seven. Frank is bigger than Frank's bigger than Jared Culver. Yeah, he's a dog. Like he's a fantastic yeah. player. If Frank were to become that, that's a different story. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of missed threes. They might shoot, they miss, shoot 30% from three. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, but I mean, two of those, only two of those guys are getting to the rack. Yeah, that's what Marcus Smart basically does. He just misses like, a bunch of open threes. Some have got to make threes. I think, yeah. Well, he's a he made the first team all defense this year. Like, yeah, bro, we have to we have to we have to stop Listen, disrespecting. All I know is Michael that Porter if you told me that the that the that, that the Cavs would like have that was it. Colin Sexton, bro, Frank Nielakina, and RJ Barrett next year, oh my god, that'd be cool. All right, that's a lot of mysteries, but hey, seventeen a lot of life. for a rookie. Hey that's man, you don't need to make threes when you get into the rack. All right, I'm. Yeah, but those aren't those are two different things. I'm just saying. Hey, listen, Frank don't need to, hey Frank don't need to score yeah, then. You know, Jared <laughs> RJ Barrett, take all these shots, baby. Get that get that on get that statistical, you know, uh get that uh Michael Kid Gilchrist, not Michael Kid Gilchrist, Michael Carter Williams uh all rookie of the year award, man. <laughs> Terrible numbers, but just took a bunch of shots. You know what? That sounds like that sounds like a watered down Drew Holiday. 
Bro, his no, rookie season was bad. Is, though. That really his is. rookie season was bad. His rookie season was bad. Bro, look at his shooting numbers. Oh, he dude, shot bad. He was going to be trash, and they were like, nah. He got that because he put up a bunch of shots. credit to the Sixers back then. They were just doing things and hoping they would. Look up his shooting got, numbers. Got, All right, that's like Westbrook. Yeah. Westbrook got a triple-double. Westbrook stinks in the playoffs. There's a reason why. He can't shoot. Well. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. No, it's not. I'm talking about his shooting percentage. His percentage just stunk. <laughs> All right, on its face, 17, 7, and 6 is great. 17, 7, and 6, when you shoot like 60% from the free throw line, under 30 from three, under 40 from the field, isn't good. But when you take in all the shots, of course you go average 70. Yo, listen, man. (laughs) Imagine. Listen. Pull up their seats once Anthony Simmons leave. Yeah, but that's why they traded him. They traded him so they can have Michael Carter Williams, and then they oh, traded him away. Bro. You remember JP Pocono? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they literally traded Ooh. Drew Holiday for Michael Carter Williams, and then traded Michael Carter, Carter Williams. Like back at, I don't know, it was a long time ago. Like I don't know. I guess eventually. Um, I mean, when you listen, when you stink for seven straight years by like a flip of a coin, some want some of these guys gotta be good. Marginal, bro. They had so many. That's the thing. Down no one ever talks about the fact that they had Michael Carter Williams, boss. Nerlens Noel, boss. Market on faults, boss. They're really the same tier player. <laughs> like, they just do a couple of different things better than the other, and it just so happens that well, that they're on two different sides of the court. So it's like, mm. like they're talking all this stuff, man. That team embarrassed. Remember who? Yeah, I'm not so. Uh... <laughs> I did that Snoop Dogg. Who? So, he is. No. He's an outstanding defender and a great shooter. Uh, I have Culver rated higher because I'm just more confident in his Yo, ability is, to create shots. That team is wild, like, man. The thing with the, thing oh, with the Virginia Cavaliers. The process. Um, but yeah, so like, in your opinion, do you think, you think the gap between RJ and Culver is, great isn't that players, big or is it just like not great NBA players? And I saw that marginal. on Twitter. I forgot who said it. I'm really sorry. But it was a great point. Because of the way that Tony Bennett coaches, they don't prioritize offense. Yeah. They are probably the worst offensive team in the league. It's not because they're not talented, but it's because they play so slowly and they focus so much on. Wait, so why stops. is so I'm well, I'm so seeing DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter, Hunter is above a Culver. That's why I'm lottery, trying to figure out why. It's kind he's of a there. shock because I'm not I'm not in love with his game, man. Like yeah. I think he's a really good defender, but I right. I think if you take it over over Culver, then it's a little it's a little sus. But if he if Culver's off the board and Hunter isn't Garland, you mean? Mm-hmm. I don't see. I, there's another thing with Garland. He's similar to Hunter in the sense that he does a lot of things well, but the things he doesn't it's going to be tough for him to be great at the next level. Like, cause Garland is a smaller dude, right? 
I think it's just his physical not, tools, man. Because my thing is, is like you know, you the way they play. That's why I can't watch them play. Players, the way they play, that's not, not the way like the NBA is played. Level of crafty. And to me, I he's feel like, like his style, like he's not he gonna be this great NBA player. Listen, I think if you take him four, that is a reach. Tape out on him, and the sample size isn't that big. So while he does do a bunch of things great. There are a lot well, of I I don't know why you take him. I also think like I would rather take take, take Darius Geis over him. Like that eight to ten range, and with Hunter. Yeah, Darius. I'm sorry, I said Geis. Yeah, Darius Garland over him. NBA ready body. His skill set is only partly ready for the NBA. Like he's not the best ball handler, and he's not the quickest. He doesn't have the quickest first step, but he's an elite defender who can shoot threes. So even if you get a three and D guy. He may be viewed as a bust yeah. because of, and I say bust with quotes, because of where he was drafted. Because as I was saying before, you pick someone at five, you want, you expect them to turn your franchise around. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Me personally, I would feel more comfortable taking Brandon Clark with the fifth overall pick. Listen, you have no. I, he is listen. He is the best defender in college basketball, right? He's Justin. He is remarkably athletic. Three blocks a game. As someone who's six eight, he's got like he's got like a forty one inch vertical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his wingspan is. I don't remember. But he's got like a forty one inch vertical, and it's not even that. It's only- Right. So he is Chris Humphreys, that's fucking whack. Get him get them. Get yo, him every out. yo, everyone like, I keep no, talking to he's talking about this Brandon Clark dude. He he's basically now, a center really and he's where, what five nine? That'd be six nine. I don't see where any of those comparisons make sense, and I really don't have one off the top of my head because he's really not he plays center, right? He averaged three not, blocks a game. With any of those comparisons, he is a defensive Six, minded eight. center, and he's he's great at blocking shots. He forget him being incredibly athletic. He just he understands. Well, I can look it up right shots. now. So he's, he's twenty two. He's 6'8.2. Uh, understands. He's six eight, two hundred seven pounds. His wingspan is six is six feet eight point two five inches, and his standing reach is eight feet six inches. His comparisons right now are Paul Millsap, yeah, Pascal Siakam, and Chris Humphreys. Maybe not, not as much. As, that's he can go anywhere. Yeah, I've seen him as high as five, and I've seen him at, at, as low as seventeen. So the reason I the reason I feel a lot of draft people aren't because he basically plays center because he's old and i always thought that was bs because what does it matter if he's 22 years old his play speaks for itself also you know the kind of player you're gonna get you're gonna get someone who is the best interior defender in college basketball who knows how to play center you know so is he like the final step in the draymond green evolution where our he's centers are six offense, eight. Who's able to move? Because he's six eight, so he's got to be able. To, he's going to be able to guard finisher. point guard. Goes up and gets lobs. Does you all know, that, but like I, I, I would assume that already. 
to put um, the ball into in the post and expect him to go. Is taking because I see him going eleven. Is he's that like supposed where he's supposed to go? No, like he doesn't really. He doesn't. He's not an offensive minded player, and that's where the Paul Millsap and the Pascal Siakam, and even like a potential Draymond Green comparison, they don't hold water because Millsap in the past was he was the go to guy for the Hawks. Siakam is arguably the second in line yeah. to Kawhi Leonard and green is just well, we know what he does for the Warriors offense. He's, he's the piece that makes them as great as they are. Even before they got KD and all that, that's a different conversation. Brendan Clark doesn't do that. And I don't expect a team to draft him and expect him to do that. It, it wouldn't make sense. If you're going to draft Brandon Clark, you're going to put him in the middle. You're going to put him at either forward or center. You'd be like, all right, defend, just anchor the paint. Uh, very similar. Is he, is he a good to dribbler? How you would treat a traditional center, someone like Stephen Adams, or even like a Rudy Gobert, just with more mobility. What what did you think at six eight? I mean I think so. I guess he's coming to the league at the perfect time because no one really posts up anymore. And I can I see. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. His skill set can translate because he's able to just watch him. I you know, think I move his feet, block shots, run the floor, get to the line, get to the lane. But, but I think you'll be able to watch him. And be like, okay, he's six see, eight, man. Like in my head, I'm just like, player. he just can you, know you when be you watch on the basketball floor? Any athlete at six eight and center? When I watch him on defense, be that effective. I don't like, know what it maybe is. it's just, it's maybe just it's our just mindset of centers. Like, we love to give Draymond Green credit for just, playing like, center. He moves, but Draymond doesn't play center so well. all the he time. He plays center issues, part of the time. Which that's where you start to get into you know? the bigger guys. Like, he'll guard Carl so Anthony Towns, guard Boogie, when Boogie wasn't on the, the team. Anthony Davis in stretches, but he doesn't guard them the whole game. Is this guy going to be able to guard centers for like 30 minutes a game? He would at least be able to hang on the perimeter with guards every single time. All right, man. I'm going to trust you. Anchoring the paint. He, he may very well not pan out, and that would that would suck. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And really, there aren't even positions now. This was, you want the conversation we're having right now was probably similar to what people thought with Draymond, because even though
I know Jamon's, he's I know Jamon's longer. He's got an absurd wingspan. I yeah, man. Like, yeah. But he's not. He's not that kind of player. So Gonzaga, they oh, had. Yeah, other guys, I mean, we'll like, see. Like, like uh, I Hachimura. I just, it's just hard and, for me to believe um, a guy that there. that small is gonna be able to. But listen, you know. Yeah. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna while, like. Feel like. It's definitely gonna be a uh, conversation on him at least. Then they were Clark, and I just thought that was a little odd. Nah, Brandon Clark is yeah. definitely the. He's. He's a top ten prospect for sure. I mean, look at that. Right, so, okay. Draymond went the second round. This are, guy, I think, honestly, I honestly only think he's going this high is because of Draymond. This, he all of his numbers look the same. Blocks. He's probably the same age as Draymond. He's the same, and he's taller than Draymond too. Draymond's so only six at, six, I, I think, or six blocker, seven. His reach is probably all the, the same. To personal foul ratio is like, because that'll give you an understanding of how much. Yeah, the only issue though is Draymond averaged a lot more assists than Kyle. This guy only averaged about two point seven. players, you don't have to go to block every shot. Yeah, you being six inches taller than someone is already enough of a deterrent. And that, yeah. but that was they got him going nineteen to the Spurs. I'm like, he looks like so a. He spur. wasn't always this great defensive center who was, you know, in the running for defensive players. Yeah, I saw him going in like the top ten. All right, we'll see, man. Like, oh God, please say Grant Williams. Oh, yes, that's my guy. Mm. Mm. I love Grant Williams. I actually just wrote something about him. I don't mm-hmm. know when it's gonna. I don't know when it's gonna go through. Probably tomorrow. But Grant Williams is. I think that Grant Williams has the potential to be a small ball center. And, uh, no, I don't. No, 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 no. So, see, there's a difference. A small ball center, yeah, is like Draymond Green is a small ball center. Not, it's more than just being a defensive presence. It's someone who the offense can run through. I feel you with Grant Williams. All right, so the offense flows for you guys for the Nets. Tennessee, I see you guys. The, the two players the that post, I'm, I'm on the ringer like on the right now for those who's looking up. Draft stuff. Brandon Clark. I so you guys have the 17th pick. I see you guys taking he's Grant really, Williams. He's just a defensive presence. With 17. He's, he's just a and then I center. see you guys taking Carson Edwards at the 27th pick. And uh, Carson you Edwards. Hate, love, I, yeah, or I, I you're kind of indecisive that. on both granted, those guys. It is, granted, it is the late first round, but I'm actually going to pull up the Rangers. Granted, it's the late first mm-hmm. round, but yeah, I've just. I'm not. I'm not really too sold on him. I, th- I thought it was gonna be after he had that what 42 point performance in the tournament. You just think everyone's gonna be a small one. Shot like 38 from the floor for the season, and I'm just like, oof. Yeah, that's uh, that is less than ideal, especially already having a couple mm-hmm. one relatively inefficient point guard in D'Angelo Russell. You know, you really don't want two shot chuckers alongside each other. I mean, maybe, but, like, is he even that athletic? I haven't seen anybody say that much about him. Gotcha. 
Yeah. I mean, you can't be a change of pace guy off the bench. Well, I'll look at. I'll read his minus. I read his plus minuses. So the plus prolific score with limited, ra- limitless range off the dribble. He Not uses an assortment of moves, using his tight handle to generate space to launch from anywhere. Good shooter off the catch who thrives on using screens like, and displays see, the intelligence to move without the ball in space. I like, I like he can change a game with his scoring ability, either fueling a break or generating something out of nothing in the half court. In college, he thrived despite intense defensive attention. Short but stocky. His at-rim finishing numbers aren't good, but he's able to get into the lane whenever he pleases thanks to his handle and strong frame. Minuses. Undersized guards who will be targeted on defense by opponents when he's on the floor. Subpar at-rim finisher who lacks explosiveness. Doesn't project as a player who will draw a ton of fouls either. He benefits from adding a floor. He would benefit from adding a floor to his game. Tasked with scoring at Purdue, not passing. Still, his lack of progression as a playmaker is worrisome. As last season, he still forced shots instead of distributing. Tends to deliver an inaccurate ball when attempting difficult passes, and he tends to stick to basic first reads and pick and roll anyway. So it looked like you're about to draft Fred Van Vliet. This this is my issue, right? I I understand, like, the various tiers. (laughs) Well, his comparisons are Lou Williams, Shabazz Napier, and some guy I've never heard of. Consistency to it, right? The worst case, mm-hmm. Zion's worst case scenario, and I get that he's a better player with more potential, is Julius Randle, and that's still a guy. I think what he's like doing is, I think, I think when he says like these things, I, I think it goes with the worst best case, case being then higher. like next best but case, like, and then like worst case scenario. You get what I'm saying? So like, all right, so like if you go to Zion, right? So I'll, I'll do Zion. His his comparisons are. Charles Barkley, Blake Griffin, Julius Randle. Now, Julius Randle and Charles Barkley aren't necessarily the same player, but you can see if Zion doesn't play play that well, Julius Randle's left-handed, Zion Williamson is left-handed, they both play in the post. If he doesn't develop any moves, like that's what I'm saying. Same thing with John Morant. He has skinny John Wall, that's probably the best, Donovan Mitchell, second best, and then Dennis Smith Jr., who's yeah, at this point not been that good. Right. I 
Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, that's not... Well, I'll read you what oh. his actual one on Carson oh. Edwards is if I can find it. Um, because I was just reading the overall. Jeez. I understand he kind of runs the draft for them, but like, I, don't know if I'm, I'm not I was reading like the overall notes that they had. Actually, oh, he man. ranks Carson Edwards towards like he has him thirty first, and he didn't have him ranked in the top seven. thirty Grant to start. Williams at eight. Holy, <laughs> he does have um, but yeah, the same. The same is the same. So he's he's got him ranked a lot lower than I think um, the consensus has him ranked. Um, and and you know. For the like same of that too. point, he has he actually has R.J. Barrett over. Imagine, imagine Brandon Clark, ja, uh, ja Morant. That's kind of what Matisse Thybul is. Because his top five goes, his top five goes Zion, R.J. Ja Morant, Jarrett Culver, and then the DeAndre Hunter. If you want to look really at fun. Danny Chow's, his one is actually man. Zion. He's got Culver oh, at two. Oh yeah, Ja so Morant at three, Brandon Clark at four. And RJ and yeah, RJ Barrett at five, with DeAndre Hunter at six, and then if you want to go to Jonathan Sharks, his big board. Hold on a sec. His big board is Zion at one, Brandon Clark at two. <laughs> He's got Brandon Clark at two, John ja Morant at three, Kobe White at four, and Darius Garland at five, with Jarrett Culver at six. Yeah. Kobe White, I definitely don't see going for. He's at RJ Barrett at seven, yeah. Because you guys got seventeen, yeah. He's got. I've never heard of that guy. That wouldn't gotcha. be, yeah, that I wouldn't just see a bunch of guys, man. Just a bunch. Half these dudes ain't gonna be in the league. Damn, I still can't get over. Jarks yeah, where he really thinks too. Brandon Clark's crazy, the second man. best player in this draft. I do, but not that much. Like, see, for me, when I'm making a big board, and you're just no, it's just a big board. He just thinks he's the second best player in the draft. I don't think no. He listen to be the second best player in the draft. I don't. I, I what I know for a fact's happening. Zion's going one. RJ. I mean, John Morant like, is going two, and RJ is like, going three. Brandon Clark. Now, especially not over are the Knicks going to take RJ at three? RJ. That's up for debate. And but over. RJ Barrett. Those are the three guys going like, one, like two, three. Because he excels without a doubt. Four is where the question comes in. Like he's great at one thing, whereas. When I'm making a big board, I tend to lean toward the guys who are good at a whole bunch of things. So long yeah, as yeah, Kobe White's not going for Darius Garland and Michael five. Yeah. That's the thing. I've seen Culver as high as really now. Is this is the highest I've ever seen someone. I've seen him at two. NBA. The lowest I saw I him was six. Like so I think he'll, I, like, I yeah, I think I think honestly I he's gonna go to the Cavs, team, especially when when the, the if if a trade doesn't happen, if the Knicks don't trade back, I think he'll go to five to to Cleveland, like during draft time. Where it's easier to go back and look at certain guys and try to yeah, like, so. plug people in. And that's why I don't do mock drafts because it's just so much. Yeah, but you love this guy.
Yeah. I'm sorry, you cut out. You thought who was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was. Yeah. Yeah, that was it was a good rookie class. Yeah, which is bizarre. Yeah. Now I was listening to uh Ryan Rossetto talk about this idea of mock drafts and how like I mean we can circle it back to the point about why I think RJ is going three, and I think the Knicks would get 100%. crucified if they took anyone else at three. Because if there was no mock drafts, if we didn't do this, right, this would free up GMs to to make so many more decisions. But the fact that, like, everyone now makes mock drafts, everyone now says the quote-unquote consensus is this guy at three. It's like we're going to eviscerate anyone who doesn't follow what our game plan is. But we don't understand that, like, these guys have way more information than we do. So, like, last year, like to me, I first. thought Luca was the best player was, in the draft. With Luka, right? It was more. I'm sorry. I said I thought Luca was the best player so in the draft last year, and it just so happened that the Hawks yeah. got caught. And you know, you can argue that his rookie really, of the year validated or not, but you know, there's still time. And listen, all five of the top five got players made All NBA. I think they said that's the first time that happened since the Jordan draft in the '93, '83. Because we also thought that Trey Young. Yeah, it was a great rookie class. And um. Like, you can argue that outside of Mo Bamba, every one of the top 10 played really well. Exactly. Um, but 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 the thing – and listen, I killed the Suns. I still think it was dumb they mm-hmm. took uh, DeAndre Ayton over uh, Luka. I killed Sacramento even though you well, can was, now say it's not as bad because they had um, De'Aaron Fox. And I killed Atlanta because I thought they should have took Luka. Like but at the same time – where they're sending they got Trey Young and he's going to finish second out, in the NBA. His um, numbers fell off. Rookie of the year. The second half of the season because it's just, I don't know. Maybe he could become Steph. Like it's not as bad as, as it is now because we have more information. There was no, but there was no we were crucifying Atlanta and that's why because we all thought Luca should have went third. I thought at least he should have went first. But average thirty one and nine over his first fifteen games or whatever it was. Oh yeah, like hello. That's a, you don't just stop producing like that by fluke. It's teams adjusted. Teams adjusted to him. Yeah, and I did not want Trey Young. I'll I'll I mean, be the one who was on front street. James I don't know Harden. if we did a pod about it with I mean, me you and Stone, but I did not like because he was projected to go ninth. It's going to come up short. And I said the entire time, I do not want Trey Young. I thought he was going to be bullied. I didn't think he'd be able to hold a candle in the league, and I was dead wrong on him. A long time. Oh, yes. 
oh this is this is amazing oh god i'm so disgusted oh god damn. can shoot yeah Oh, I am 100% going to kill Daryl Morey for wanting to do this. I... Or the so, fact that he led the lead, he led the Kyle, issue, I think, no, he didn't do it. Ja Morant did, but he was leading with him wanting the, to blow it the, up, the conference, right? or he was leading the, you know, the nation in scoring and assists. It's not working. The Warriors have washed you two years in a row. Was it two or three? Whatever. Yeah. Two years in a row. Especially in the fact that he was in the Big 12, too. He was and in a real conference. the roster. That's cool. But you're not even going to entertain looking at another coach. That's the part I don't get because the Rockets brought in Mike D'Antoni because let's say what he is. He is to an extent an offensive genius. Yeah. In the sense that he has found a way to take this All right. polarizing. So let's just close out on this because we've been talking for a while. Quote unquote efficient. Uh-huh. Long time, you know, hour numbers, forty four minutes. We're shooting already numbers aren't there, but the scoring numbers. So are. now this this this, this now news Wolves drop that you know the Rockets the, are looking the potentially at everyone. And it's yeah, to get rid fault? of, and it's like, becoming interesting. James Harden averaged thirty six points on forty four. This is what happens with series. when you can't beat and a dynasty. You have to might resort to these if the tactics, and so I don't understand that. Listen, I understand people are going to kill Daryl Morey or. But the best player isn't going to overcome now, a bad game Now, plan. when I want to defend... Wait, what are you Michael killing Jordan him for? was not able to overcome bad game planning during his early years in Chicago. LeBron James was not able to overcome bad game planning throughout his first tenure in Cleveland. Those are the two best basketball players of all time. And now we get to the Rockets, and it's James Harden and Chris Paul's fault that they can't score 40 points a night on 50% shooting against arguably the best defense in the league when three and four guys are being sent toward them. I just like, I don't understand the part where he's not even receptive to looking at another coach. And, oh, and before I finish, did, did Mike D'Antoni's system work in Phoenix? It did not. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be honest for a minute. I had people telling me, I, I think we're about to agree on something. Right, but I want to just finish this point real quick. At first, when the Rockets hired Mike D'Antoni, I had people telling me, oh, his style's not going to work in the playoffs. I'm like, you don't know shit. Shut up. And, well, they were right and I was wrong. I don't know if it's because I was I was too young during the run, the seven seconds or less Suns to remember. I was like, I don't know, 11 years old. I didn't understand what was going on. But now I see it. And we just saw it with the Bucks, where not where one team adjusted, the other didn't. And in the Rockets' case, they got washed without KD. Like, they had a shot, and they blew it. How much, like, how do you divvy up the blame? How much of it falls on the players? Because we know Harden did his thing. He didn't have the same weapons as last year, so that's also a mark against them. But Mike D'Antoni's just, like, standing on the sideline. He's like, you know what, James? You're going to take 36 shots a night, and that's it. They're not going to run any motion. They're not going to run any plays for Eric Gordon. They're not going to try to get Clint Capella more involved. They're just going to let James Harden pound the rock into the teeth of the Warriors defense and be cool with it. I don't understand. I don't understand how Mike D'Antoni can escape this unscathed. No. Well, I will say this, though. Like, that's 
We have a lot of revisionist history. Like I one of those teams could have got to the finals. I know what you're talking about. And yes, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Filming Frittata or whatever. You just lost without KD. <laughs> oh, well, that's different. I'm over that. That was just... That's that's water under the bridge. He did. He did. Yeah, I know. So it's like I didn't really begrudge him that much because it's like, you know what? You almost beat the Warriors last season. You almost beat the Warriors. If it wasn't for this incredible mathematical anomaly, you would have gone to the finals. And you would well, have upset I think that arguably the greatest dynasty of all time. appears to be but like an issue between... Way, and they're like, you know what? Run it back. That was the Darryl prime Murray, time to run it back. And then this new uh, owner comes in and I he's like, the oh, owner's name. Yeah, the owner's name. Um, who else? Yeah, yeah, yeah him and... I think, uh, I think he's gone too. And and, and, and like Mike D'Antoni, and they the fired Mike D'Antoni's entire staff. I mean, and Mike D'Antoni's like, "Yo, like, Chris Paul's y'all can't be doing this." And I think there's a power struggle. And there, here's it the thing: is a lot of money, and it wasn't smart. You would think now more than ever, it would be a time to just run it back because the Warriors would quote unquote be lessened without KD. But you just lost at home in a game six that you must win. Yeah, and Steph Curry didn't we're score in the first half. Too. So <laughs> my thing is with him is like I, I actually know, I, I didn't see you going in that direction at all. I thought you were gonna to, criticize to him for even signing Chris Paul to that contract. I think so. Um I mean if, if we Well, I think he listen, he had to he had to do it. It's the know. price to do a business. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think that Chris yeah, but he's got a that's a lot of money, bro. And I don't know how you like if I'm ranking untradable contracts, I don't think like in that tier, I think he's has a better untradable contract than like John Wall or like Andrew Wiggins. Russ, no, I think if they're that's a good question. Um that is goals right there. Employment I highly goals. doubt this. Listen, we don't have to talk. We don't have to bring Russ up. I'm not. I'm not a Russ fan in any way. You could tell by my commentary about his triple doubles. But 
like that they have for, if we're going to depart on this little side topic i think russ is 31 and i think they have three more years left of his contract if i want to look it up really fast um and if you look at a lot of like advanced metrics on how players like go from being all-stars to I being I think they're dumb enough to do like it like average players Russell Westbrook fits that to a T so his past season they paid him 35 million dollars next season it goes up to no yeah I'm right it goes up to uh 38 million dollars yeah. For next like season, all the season after that, his deals. thirty, his thirty-one year season. Yeah, and a lot it's of those forty-one million dollars. His year, his thirty-two year season. It's forty-four million dollars. So they have even and oh yeah, less money to spend. He has a player option in 2022-2023 at age thirty-three for forty-seven million dollars. He is going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> Oh my god. But I I don't see Chris Paul getting traded just because I don't think the Lakers would even do that. I mean, people want to make not. the argument that the Lakers would trade for him like LeBron already shows you he didn't got that much clout. They didn't hire his coach. Yeah. They didn't fire Luke Walton when they wanted to. Magic quit. They forced Magic to quit. The guy who people want to say got LeBron there. So why would the Lakers then Chris get the guy one no, of one of his Chris best Paul. friends on a okay. bad contract? I'll like, and there's nothing. Yeah, and I mean, like, what would they do? Yes. I mean, understand you get pennies on a dollar. You can probably trade for Chris Paul. I mean, you have to add a third player because if you look at the Lakers' contracts, who's weak? None, outside of LeBron, no, one, it's the same thing with the Knicks. No one makes uh, any okay. money on the Lakers. So Katie, so yeah, so and then Katie LeBron. Reeves, they so, uh huh. Yeah, all those guys. So they don't have. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the Lakers can dump Brandon Ingram and potentially get like a pick for him because maybe that'll probably be the only team that might take Brandon Brandon Ingram's contract at this point. And then maybe you send Lonzo, and then you get back maybe like let's say two picks from Houston. And then does that do anything? I mean, maybe, but those are some old legs, man. And then you gotta sign someone at that point. Like you gotta sign like yeah, Jimmy or whoever. Um, now for the argument to do it. I'll say this. To trade for Chris Paul, if you're the Lakers. To trade for Chris Paul, right? Okay. Mm. KD leaves. Okay? Let's say you sign... Let's say you sign Kawhi. I don't think that's realistic, but let's say you sign Kawhi. Okay? No, no, no. I'm talking about L.A. Yeah, let's let's say let's say you sign Kawhi. Katie leaves, he he goes wherever. They sign Kawhi, right? If you trade for Chris Paul, right? That team 
would just manage the Chris Paul's minutes. So basically, you have him on like a I don't know, maybe he'll predestined. You don't play out there. Yeah, you're a load yeah. management player. Fly, you're fly not playing back to backs. You're not you. playing um, these games. And then oh, the thing is, you have enough so guys. You have like, Kawhi, like LeBron, and Chris Paul. You, LeBron, you could probably stagger the three of the them Kyrie. to just get through the regular season. CP3 would be the Kevin you know, Love, now you'll probably want to get them to play. 50 games together or so, you would want, you, the playoffs, you know, and then put the ball in but the next 32, you can stagger. You could say Kawhi, Kawhi's, Kawhi's out, LeBron and Chris Paul playing. Chris Paul's out, LeBron, Kawhi are playing. LeBron's yeah, out, it's just Kawhi, happen, you know? Lakers as champions. And to me, seeding at this point, they're that'd all veteran be, players. Seeding doesn't matter. It's just, can you get them healthy enough for the postseason run? And then at that point, in a weaker conference... I would with I would KD only gone like that if he were if he's gonna they'll have gonna the most retire. experience of one of the teams cool. that had the most experience, and they could possibly still do a bunch of things. So you that's the reason for it for a year. Is I don't now, want him to go there and then just that's for contingent reason, on getting arguably the second best player in the league right now. Because as far as I know, but that's what I think they could do. Like, now I don't. You never know. will all that happen? I don't know. But I would just get love upset, like, to see Chris Paul on know, the Lakers because that hamstring is going Carmelo so fast. Chris Paul can barely fit into his work outfit. You think you know, that man is going to stay healthy for the next really four years? Too, like they were, like they were too. Like they were. Get that Kobe treatment. Well, I mean, now you got to go to Germany it. for that. The kids who were born in like 99, 2000, 2001. That vampire so stuff. Were, I don't know when they were. When did Carmelo come to New York? Two thousand ten. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot of younger fans only know Melo as a Nick, and like Nuggets Melo is this foreign entity. It's like there are a lot of people like we know that Melo was good when he was on the Knicks, but there aren't a lot of people that know that when Melo was in Denver, like he was a problem. Yeah. Like, like that dude. Just like that. That man. dude could have won Rookie of the Year over LeBron. And think about, think about, think about oh, how weird man, that, that sounds in 2019. Like, damn, Carmelo should they all Carmelo start trolling us to arguably the one rookie of the year. Listen, listen. Oh, you got, no, Carmelo signed the Knicks, bro. I'm just saying, think about it. That's just, that's so weird to say. No, I think, I think Melo signing with the Knicks, bro. Melo to, Mello if everything to goes Nets, right, veterans minimum. I, I don't, yeah, keep it, keep it, keep it in the family. No problem. Appreciate you having me on. I mean, it's going to be weird. This is the same front office Hell that yeah. traded him. I got to go eat now. I'm fucking starving. Be good, man. 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 God, that, that, good, is, man. that is terrifying. Good, man. That is some old man good, man. stuff. Y'all don't even remember Denver Mellow. Man. 